Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 20 of History on the Table. How are you, Rich? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was fine. No complaints. It was small. Um, you know, obviously, we just we zoomed with the extended family and spent time with just the four of us. Uh, my anniversary was just a couple weeks ago, too. So my wife and I, we got a, a new fire pit as a gift for each other. And the weather was nice this weekend. So we burned a lot of wood and sat outside and enjoyed it before it turned cold. Hey, that's good. Yeah. it. Uh, I don't know about in St. Louis, but in Kansas City, it was a significant, a pretty significant yeah. drop yesterday. And then today was, was very cold. Yeah, it was just barely above freezing all day today, and we got our first snow of the year. It didn't stick or anything, but we we saw snow. So, well, good. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, shall so you didn't go out and uh, fight off the Black Friday crowds? No. I did not. No, nope, I can't nope. imagine there were many. <laughs> Even in a non-COVID year, I have no desire to go fight Black Friday crowds. Yeah, you know, one year, one year we did it when I was younger, and then I remember a couple thanksgivings ago like we were driving home mm-hmm. and this was kind of like i don't know if you think back to like 2010 2011 was kind of like the peak in my opinion of black friday when people went nuts and so this was probably like 2012 2013 it was like eight o'clock we're driving home on thanksgiving and we walked into target and like there was no line or anything we just walked in got it was an ipad for my w- wife what time of day was it it was like eight nine o'clock at night Oh yeah, see the like, the crazy people are there at like six in the morning. So no, this is eight or nine at night on, on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, on so Thanksgiving. This okay. was after they had started like rolling it back <laughs> instead of doing you know three a.m. or something. But a couple of years before that, I remember waiting in line with my dad outside. Anyways, uh, ever since then though, that was that was a while ago. I haven't done that. I'll I'll just pull my laptop out and. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Even like I said, even a non-COVID year. So even like. I mean, they stretch it out so much. I was getting like Black Friday emails two, three weeks ago. Cyber Monday started on Black Friday this year. So, I mean, who cares? It's all advertising. (laughs) It is. It is. And then I saw, so we wanted, we're working on the game room, right? And one thing we want is a a TV that kind of like our basement is shaped like an L. It's kind of a weird shape. So we want a TV that can pivot out so my wife can see what she edits. And we picked out the one we wanted. And then on Prime Day, I was reading the article that they've confirmed, like, this is the same Black Friday price on the TV we wanted. I was like, because we were like, well, let's just wait till Black Friday and see if there's any sales. If not, we'll just get it then. And then that confirmed it. And that really kind of took any excitement we had for Black (laughs) Friday out of it. But speaking of crazy sales, did you grab anything from Multiman Publishing for the shelf? I did. I picked up some MAP stuff. I couldn't help myself. Um, Me either. I guess I, I should consider it a victory because I only picked up two games. I had I can't even remember what the other two were, but at one point I had like four in my cart, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to limit this down to two. So, yeah, I got uh, OCS Korea, which is nice. one that I've really wanted for a while, and then SCS Day of Days, which is it wasn't really on my radar, but SCS is a, a basic system. I like it, and this is a, a D-Day game, which looks cool, so... I figured I'd try it and see how I like it. This one with like a it's million big for an SCS counters, game, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, when when everyone was kind of discussing the sales, someone shared a link to I think it was the guys in Minnesota playing Day of Days. Oh, okay. And it was like four guys each side, and like the stat count was. It'd be yeah. something really neat to to try sometime. And I think the great thing about SCS is you, like you can make that an event over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I 
people could drop in or out because SCS is so much easier than something like OCS. Yeah. One of the things I hadn't even gotten the map out or anything, both those games are still in the shrink, but one of the things I like about D-Day games or really invasion games in general is they tend to have long maps rather than deep maps, uh-huh. which is nicer because then you don't have to reach over the table. For sure. Nice. What Anything else on the shelf? Uh, yeah. Next War Vietnam, which oh, yeah. I was joking with my wife. That was actually my birthday present from like two years ago, I want to say, because <laughs> she, uh, for my birthday a couple years ago, she got me next door India, Pakistan. I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. You bought me a war game, but I already have this one. So, oh. so I called, I called a uh, GMT and they were, they were great about it. They're like, yeah, just return it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pre-order Vietnam anyway. So we'll just, we'll call that my present and we'll make that, you know, it was on the P 500 at the time. So yeah, I got that a couple weeks ago and it is out of the shrink, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, it all looks. I've I've put it out and played it. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, looks great. It looks like a great addition to, to Next War. Grabbing a copy as well uh, from GMT. I also had uh, Last Hundred Yards Airborne came. Have you had a chance to play that yet? No, I haven't. It's actually, uh, I think it came on Friday at work, and I've been. I had a stomach bug over all Thanksgiving weekend. And so I took the today off to make sure I'm fully recovered. Not COVID. Had another test just to make sure. So um, it's sitting there waiting for me. Yeah. Along with everything else from uh, Hollenspiel. <laughs> oh, so okay. I bought uh, their sale. Table Battles for a long time was something I wanted. And then I finally pulled the trigger on that and the dinosaur version. Because, you know, Table Battles is really simple. You're just trying to get the right dice combination. Yeah. Right. It's not, there's no tactics to it. I think if you're yeah, going Table in, Battles is a good Starbucks game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think if you're going in, I think that's any, the only place I've ever played it, actually. <laughs> if you have any kind of high expectation for like a meaty war game, you're, you're going to be disappointed. So I grabbed the base game and then as well as, well, it's a base, it's standalone as well. Sorry. The Table Battles Dinosaurs. Okay. Um, because I think. So. I guess you haven't played it yet, so I'm probably asking a question or the answer to. But in table battles, you're like, okay, well, this commander has to attack this formation. And, you know, I mean, that's the way the game works um, is, you know, like you said, dice combinations, trying to strip your opponent of certain dice so that you can lower his defenses. Is it like the Stegosaurus can only attack the Tyrannosaurus or something like that? That I don't know. I know that different dinosaurs have, like, different abilities. Okay. Which... I think some of the Table Battles expansions have added that a little bit. Like, I think I also grabbed the the Gettysburg pack. For Table and, Battles? For Table Battles. Okay. And I, I don't think, have any expansions for that game. I think some of the units, you know, kind of quote unquote, the cards that represent units in that game give those units different abilities. I don't know if that's in the base game or not. Okay. And then it's really present in the dinosaurs version. But eventually, my my daughter is already into dinosaurs. And so at some point, I'm, I'm sure she'll play it. But like those simple, my wife's a huge fan of Yahtzee-like games. Mm-hmm. And this isn't Yahtzee, but I, I think it scratches the same itch. So if I was really desperate, I'm sure I could talk her into playing that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And then I finally, I've, I've always been curious about the John Thiessen from Thyssen maybe, uh, Civil War games that he has done for Hollenspiel, but I've been reluctant to get them. Mm-hmm. And a couple episodes ago, I talked about the 
great battles of the Civil War game um, covering the Red River campaign. And he has a Red River campaign called Objective Shreveport. Oh, okay. So I finally grabbed that as well. Um, it's a fairly light-looking Civil War game. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And then finally I got uh, District Commander Kandahar. Which, is that a Brian Train game? It is. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, no no solo capability because it involves bluffing mm-hmm. or hidden information, but um, the games themselves looked cool. They cover, like, there's one on Vietnam, there's the Kandahar one, and I think there's one more. I could be wrong. So that game looks, and it's the same designer, and I think, I don't know that I want to say it's the same system, but I think there are definitely similarities between that one and uh, Chile 73. Okay. And I've played that one. I wasn't crazy about it, but hmm. I'm. It was one of those games where, like, there seems like there's something good in here, but we're not finding it. So i i I'd be I'd be curious to give it another shot or give another similar game by him a shot. Yeah, I don't think it's. Um, I mean, as soon as we can, we ever get together to play in person again. I think it's something with a pretty low footprint. Like you could just throw yeah. it in your bag and. and yeah, that's how July seventy three was, and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to take a flyer on it. It it sounds interesting. Plus the topic, you know, I d- you don't see many um, many F, you know uh, modern conflict games. To this yeah. point. I mean, you you see some smatterings here and there. Uh, yeah, there was so- one I was looking at by Compass Games, Unity and Brotherhood, the Serbian. Here's Serbian, yeah. that one, and it just looked interesting purely just because of the. Uh, you know, the setting, I'm like, there's not that many wars on this. And that's something that I remember. So I didn't yeah, pick it so up, but if you go, I think if you go back to the first year I did, the games were like looking forward to, mm-hmm. um, brotherhood and unity, I think made that list. I should probably okay. double check that. Uh, but then, you know, like compass just did some things that made me skeptical. Right. It's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to pre-order this. I'll just wait to see what it is. And then Bruce Mansfield and his brother, I can't, I can't remember his brother's name, and I apologize for that. They sold the pants off that game on Twitter yeah, and talked about how great it was. So I I, I have a copy of Unity okay. Brotherhood, and for sure I'd like to play that. Well, next year we're going to meet up in Columbia and play at some point. Hell yeah. Yeah, we should we're do gonna that. We're going to have like a thousand games to play. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, so, Hollenspiel, though, um, you didn't get this in the sale, but you already got White Eagle Defiant, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And I had I had it out when it first came in and was pushing things around, but I haven't played a full game yet. Okay. Um, which I should do. It's a shame. Um, yeah. You know they're so easy to get out and play, and that series is is really enjoyable. But yeah, I think uh, he's working on another one now too that takes place yeah. in the U.S. Right. I saw that uh, they posted a Twitter. Ryan Heilman is yeah. is who Rich is talking about. Uh, posted a, a Twitter picture of I guess a, a vassal module or something they're using to play test. So, uh, District Commander, there's three, three games. It's um, Binden, Vietnam, 1969, and then I just lost my spot. So, those are all included in District Commander? So, no, they're all three distinct games. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the Vietnam, 1969, and Kandahar games came out this year, and then there's District Commander, Maracas, Virtualia, 2019, mm-hmm. which was the first one. Okay. So the, those are the three. So yeah, that I will report on that. The the bad news there is I need someone else to play with. So it'll probably be a while before 
that one gets to the table. Uh, and then just a couple other things. I, I hit up the MMP sales well. Warriors of Japan was super cheap. Um, just an interesting topic. I mean, other than Seki, Seki Gahara, I haven't done much with like ancient mm-hmm. Asian history. So that was, uh, I mean, obviously I've played Pacific World War II games. So, but, and then Brazen Chariots, which is the one nice. of the BCS yeah. entries as well. I really want to get into that. I've I've pushed counters around on a little bit. I haven't really played it, but um, that's uh, that's on my short list of of games that are coming up for me. If I get really optimistic this this winter, I plan on. So our Den Forty Four is on the to do list. Okay. In the next month, for sure. If I get really optimistic, I'm going to do the BCS Battle of the Bulge game as well. At I least got a at least game. I've got an Arden Vassal game going right now, and I think I need to poke that guy for a play's turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna solo it with, uh, you know, it's winter, so battle the yeah. bush time. Yeah, that one's great for solo. I mean, the Germans just absolutely steamroll at the beginning, so there's not much for the Allies to do at the beginning other than retreat. <laughs> I was going through, and then just a couple other things real quick. I was going through, I was just cleaning up photo storage, and then I, I saw like the last in-person game day we had is when we played 7th Fleet, and that, like, yeah. damn, I really want to play more fleet games. Well, most of the fleet games are pretty pricey to track down, but 2nd Fleet is not. Uh, so 2nd Fleet, which takes place in the North Atlantic, grabbed a copy of that as well. And then the Kickstarter for High Frontier Horizons for All shipped, and that came in and looks fantastic. And I think nice. I talked about High Frontiers way back pretty early on in this fantastic game. Really brain-burning and just you know like staring at your player map and just developing a plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think there's a lot going on nothing itself is very hard it's just how do you do it and how do you do it well is what makes the game hard really rewarding play i think even though like i stranded a a mission only the only the chinese can abandon astronauts but i i stranded a mission and had to go recover them and like it very much prevented me from winning, but it was super satisfying when I finally got there, had enough fuel to take off and get off the planet and rescue my crew. Like game wise, yeah, I lost, but what an awesome story. So <laughs> uh really rewarding game. Can't wait to eventually play that in person again. Yeah. So you've played it before, but you just got uh the new Kickstarter version? Yeah, this is the fourth fourth edition, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yep. And that's uh and that's plenty. There may have <laughs> been a, a few other yeah. things that came in, but uh, I think I'm good for a while. Yeah, we'll see. Especially because there's no, I mean, hopefully soon I'll be able to play these in person, but. I know. Yeah, it's, 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 um, I'm as introverted as they come, but I'm really ready to play some face-to-face games. <laughs> yeah, even my brother is itching, who's, I've talked about it, he comes in and out of the hobby. He mm-hmm. just depends on the day of the week. But he's really been itching to play in face and I introduced him to board game arena. He's not a vassal or tabletop sim fan, but because board game arena has rule enforcement, I think he's enjoying that a lot more than the other mm-hmm. virtual tabletops. Yeah. Um, what's the one they don't have a lot on there, but they got second on there. Yukata. Yeah, yeah. That one. And that's got rule enforcement as well. It's a really good implementation of that one. Yeah. I still need to play unconditional surrender on board game arena. I haven't done that yet. Interesting enough, he said, hey, when we get back in person, would you play Sekigahara again? Oh, cool. I said, of course, and then <laughs> uh, 
by the way, here's this other website we can check out if you really want to play now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, none of those actually ended up on the shelf, uh, cause we actually got to get our new shelves still, <laughs> but, uh, games in the door. A, I think I'm going to have a problem here in the next couple of weeks when we start putting things on, on the shelf, but we'll deal with that when that comes. First problem is figure out how to organize it all. You go by era, by Ooh, I know, don't stop manufacturer. <laughs> cut that crap out. It's impossible. Uh, all right, let's talk. Uh, and then, and then like ASL games, which I don't want to get rid of the boxes, but now they're empty. Not all of them, but yeah. as I put them in trays, like what good are the boxes? Because then I put the the maps and the scenario cards and binders as well. So, yeah. So I, I'm actually just looking at my ASL stuff right now because I got some counter clippers. So I've completely oh, fallen yeah. to the dark side. And <laughs> I, I've only clipped one game so far, but then I was looking at my ASL stuff going, yeah, that's that's going to be next. I'm going to start clipping all that. If I'm clipping it anyway, I might as well reorganize it. Because <laughs> like I've got Ar- Armies of Oblivion, which has all the Hungarian and Axis Minor stuff. I haven't even punched that yet. So, I mean, I've played some stuff from it online, but I haven't punched it yet. So, um, but so I got to figure out where those counters are going to go and you know, part of it, like, I don't know, ASL, we could have chosen shows and shows about how to organize ASL. You're right. I'm kind of thinking about pulling all the starter kit stuff out and or and having it separate. And then, because right now I have the starter kit stuff and the main stuff together. And I think right. I might pull that out. Including the counters? Yeah, yeah. Because I think there, you know, I mean, there's plenty of counters. That way you can take the starter kit stuff and, right. you know, we can say, oh, we're going to play starter kit and you take the, the full game and it, there's plenty in there. It's not like I'm going to be missing out on any counters at all because I've got, you know, several modules and they all come with counters. So Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, if you're doing your whole ASL collection, better order your, your second set of mm-hmm. clippers now. Yeah. I'd be curious to see how many clips you go through. I'm still on my second <laughs> one, but... <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about some books. How about that? Um, speaking of Battle of the Bulge, I started, I got an early jump on this month's and next month's upcoming book club book, Snow and Steel, The Battle of the Bulge by Peter Caddick Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good so far, um, but I'm like seven of 31 hours in and <laughs> we're just now starting. So there's a whole bunch of back information on Hitler in Germany specifically, a little bit on the Allied forces, but really he spends about six and a half hours focusing on, on Hitler. And he does, he does some weird things. Like he really goes into, he spends a whole chapter and he ties it up at the end of the chapter, but a whole chapter dedicated to uh, this specific uh, opera writer or conductor. I don't know what the term is. And then just like German folklore history. <laughs> and like he he ties it up and makes an argument of like why Hitler was so fascinated with the bulge and why he wanted to to follow up while why he wanted to do this when everyone else was telling him hey this is a terrible idea and so it was an interesting point but for like an hour I'm just like why is this guy still talking about this opera like this is really in-depth coverage for the bulge was um, it some by Wagner yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I can think of his name. Yeah. 
and so it's super interesting, but you want to talk about a deep dive. I wouldn't say it's like as deep as uh, the the Midway book we read. Might be uh, bigger though. It, but it's it's about that level. Like you're not yeah. as zoomed in, and but uh, it's good. I, I'm I don't glad have, I'm reading it. I don't have this one, but I have Sand and Steel by him that I haven't oh, right. read yet. But I I actually went. I think it was last year. Time is slipping away from me. But last year he was in town for a book signing, and we we got to hear him talk about Sand and Steel, which is D Day, and got him to sign the book. But he's a pretty interesting guy. So then I would be. Um... I would probably read that. Yeah. Like if I, if I get the urge for a D day book, then I would probably turn to that. I mean, obviously I still have over a third of the book to go or, you know, close to two thirds. Um, but I'm impressed enough with his writing that I would be interested in checking out, uh, that book as well. Uh, so that's pretty good. The other thing is I read the, this mighty scourge, which is a collection of essays by James McPherson. McPherson. I think if you're in Kansas, you have to say McPherson. <laughs> um, it's It was really good. Uh, probably 18, so a dozen and a half or so essays, all kinds of different topics on the Civil War. Mm-hmm. I really want to get like 12 copies and just like hand it to distant relatives that bring up states you know <laughs> stage rights and shit like that or lost causes because there's some really good essays in there about it and just it you know it's, it's everything from military topics to just covering like how school boards in the south during like the 1920s how much they shaped the the dialogue by pressure from these different confederate you know like mm-hmm. daughters of the confederate i can't i can't remember their names now but might be called daughters of the confederacy i think yeah and then this and then there's the male one or whatever but the the role they played in shaping and i knew that was a thing before with like you know texas orders so many textbooks that what texas right how whatever they say they get to define right that's why the alamo was such a big deal like when i was growing up but um and so that like that was a really interesting essay. Super recommended. All of them are pretty short, very readable. Mm-hmm. Um, highly, highly recommended. It's not very long at all. Yeah, when I read, and this was a while ago, when I read "Battle Cry of Freedom," is that the yep. the big Civil War book? Yeah, some of the the background social stuff I found a lot more interesting. Than I thought I would because I went into it kind of wanting to read the military stuff, but the background social stuff I really found fascinating. Yeah, I th- and I think he wrote this after, or at least, sorry, he at least compiled this after, I think. Um, and I think he, he kind of talks about maybe some things he wanted to elaborate some more on. I could be mistaken, though. Hmm. Really, really good book. Really nice collection of essays. And then the last thing I'll talk about is something, looks like you're reading as well. Uh, Matterhorn by oh, Carl yeah. Marlantes. And we, and we are talked you done about with this. it or are you reading it? Oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm done. Are you oh, done? God. Yeah, I'm done. So oh, we talk- If you we- want a book that's just going to piss you off, oh, you should read that book. Right. It's so, it's so <laughs> right. Let's get that out of the way. It's it's so mad yeah. and maddening. And so, first of all, it is it is historical fiction, but I'll bet it's just as true as any other book you could read about Vietnam. Right. And we, we talked about this last time, you know, our, our 
or little bugaboo with with historical fiction that didn't bug me at all during this. Uh, it felt really authentic and genuine. Uh, but holy crap, you want to talk about just like infuriating. Mm-hmm. And but it was so well written. Like I was looking forward to my drive home when I could. And the audio narration, I got to tell you, um, was fantastic. The guy who did the voices for everyone, his drunk Simpson was flawless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one of the one of the best books I've read on Vietnam, and I've read a few in the last couple of years, but really, really good. I'm gonna say Is it's it? one of the best fiction books I've ever read. Just period. Yeah, yeah it could be. Um, I mean, like it. It was just fantastic. Every chapter was. Yeah. Whoa, that was amazing! And then you get on to the next chapter, and sure enough, it's all. And apparently, great. he tried to get that thing published for years, and no one would wow. publish it. <laughs> and wow. it's just amazing. Well. I guess, I mean, you could probably see why. I mean, like, probably yeah. fresh off of Vietnam. I yeah, could... too soon, maybe. Right. And, I mean, the message it's saying is, is you know, like, very clear. Mm-hmm. What a giant fucking waste this is, right? <laughs> uh, so, super recommended from me, and it sounds like you're a, you're a big fan as well. Yeah. The end is very much, it's like, it's kind of like the movie Platoon. I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's that sort of emotional gut punch at the end. I, I would say it's chock full of emotional gut punches mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah yeah i think the book it hooked me it was toward the beginning of the book when they were talking about how they how they count up the casualties and they're like well we we found one body so we assumed that there were 10 and we reported 10 so the company reported 20 and you know the final report comes back that we killed like 100 guys and didn't right. lose anyone and right like oh well you got to lose someone so okay so we lost two and <laughs> the whole thing was insanity it was. It was so good. That's. I would agree. That's around the same time I got hooked, which was when they were kind of on their like first. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I mean, they did patrols out in the jungle, but that was like their first big jungle thing, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic. <laughs> uh, sorry, I snagged one of your books. You got anything else you've been reading? Yeah, another Vietnam book actually called The Hunter Killers, um, which is it's about uh, it's about wild weasels in Vietnam, actually. Nice. So I, <laughs> I wanted to get downtown out and play it some more. Um, but then I had another game that I had to learn right now. So downtown is still on my list to hit the table. There's actually, I found, I haven't tried it out yet, but a solo system for it. So you can try to play it solitaire, but anyway, Hunter Killers by Dan Hampton is, I think he was a wild weasel. Um, and it's interesting. Um, the book kind of cuts back and forth between kind of like a first person perspective of what it's like to be on a mission. And then they talk about the context and everything. So the context stuff, it wasn't deep enough where I was learning something new. So really it just kind of took away from the stuff that I thought was really interesting, but overall the book was pretty good. Good. And just because, um, if I was listening to this like six years ago, I would say, well, what the hell is a wild weasel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wild weasels were, were jets basically tasked with yes. knocking out sands, right? Yeah. And not only that. So their job was to go in and find the enemy surface to air missiles by getting them to shoot at them. So because basically, you know, you've got in the jungle, you've got these surface to air missiles, these SAMs, along with triple-a anti-aircraft artillery everything that they can do to shoot down planes and their job is to shoot down the bombers that are coming in but before the bombers go in you send in these wild weasel planes um, and their job is just to go in in there and say hey i'm here shoot at me 
And as soon as the enemies shoot their missiles, now we know where you are and we can shoot back. Hmm. Well, they're nuts. They're crazy. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I I don't remember the exact statistic, but the overwhelming majority of those guys were actually shot, shot down by AAA, not by the SAMs. Hmm. I mean, it's something like 80%. It's crazy. You, you think about the SAMs doing all the damage, but um, it was actually the AAA that did most of the damage. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and mark that as want to read. I didn't realize. I just saw the 100 killers, and my immediate thought was like a submarine book or, or something like that. But Yeah, World War II submarine, as far as gaming, it, that's like exploded the last. There's like all these solitaire <laughs> games, and everything is coming out for World War II submarines now. Too true. Yeah, so let's cut back to games, uh, talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I mentioned this at the start of the show, Next War Vietnam. Nothing crazy here. There's like a two-turn uh, Dien Bien Phu scenario <laughs> that Mitch threw in. Uh, so is this, is this 1960s Dien Bien Phu or is this Next War Dien Bien Phu? It's Next War Dien Bien Phu. Okay. Um, and Mitch's description for the scenario is pretty good. Um, and he, he talks about how it's purely hy- hypothetical, but yeah. no one knows why the PRC <laughs> decided to parachute <laughs> into Dien Bien Phu. Um, and the whole point is just to hardly any movement, if any movement at all. It's just to go through the combat again, which yeah. was actually pretty good for me because I played, it must have been earlier this spring, I started to play Next War in Pakistan, but that game kind of died down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just nice to go through the even even if it's just the basic game uh, to go through combat and that's all it was, so nothing crazy. I did I did set up the game with um, I guess it's the Vietnamese like already in control mm-hmm. of DMBM Fu and I was like, well, how the hell am I ever? Because like the Chinese only get like two units and they may get a third that drops in. I was like, this is impossible. And then I'm like, <laughs> I look at the setup again. It's like, oh. Yeah, so uh, it I don't know. I probably set it up. Well, I know I did. I set it up during my daughter's nap, got it out, played through it, put it away, and cleaned up by the time she woke up. So uh, cool to include something like that just for fun to walk through combat and have a hypothetical and revi- revisit Kimbim Fu. Cool. Uh, I played some Advanced Squad Leader, um, which itself isn't necessarily noteworthy. This was using uh, a scenario from the Swedish Volunteers. Which found out the Swedes themselves aren't really that impressive at all. It's all about <laughs> the Finns. You want the Finns? The Finns are pretty damn impressive. Um, we're about halfway through that game. And I, I guess volunteers a... in general, kind of like the the Russians, <laughs> when you when you get the conscripts and the partisans, you know, uh, it's you know, they they need to be shot by the uh, oh, what's the 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 guys. What are the, the Russian leaders called? I'm drawing a blank on their names that, that shoot you if you fail your morale check. <laughs> I want to say commissar, but that's not it. Commissar. Yeah, that might be it. Well, now now it's, I'm blanking on it, too. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that that's a it's a fun scenario. I'm glad to get them out, but I'm, I learned that, and, well, the Swedes aren't really that cool. It's all about the Finns. Because mm-hmm. we, we did one turn pass when my Finns stormed on the board. It's like, yeah, I want those guys on the front line quick. I hope Johan's not listening to this. He'll be mighty pissed. <laughs> well, I've got some Swedish history as well. Maybe not as much as someone named Johan, but um, and then I think this was on both of our 
Radar. I don't know if it cracked our top five, but Caesar Rome versus Gaul. Yeah. From Mark Simonich. Ooh, buddy, this was good. Is it good? It's really good. Yeah. Um, and and here's why. It feels like Hannibal, and it feels like um, Washington's War. Uh huh. But th- my biggest problem with Hannibal is that combat resolution, right? Where you're just playing a card to if i play left flank you need to respond with a matching card until you can no longer respond to my attack and if you can't respond then you lose the battle well that's all out and that was my biggest complaint with hannibal and hamilton now i have not cracked the puzzle i do not excuse me i keep like burping and hiccuping <laughs> let me drink some water so i've not cracked the puzzle yet i'm playing the galls yeah and i'm enjoying it but i have no idea if what i'm doing is the right thing or not so is it just two sides? All the Gauls are one side? Yep. Okay. Yeah, there's like an independent German tribe that can attack, but okay. it's it's not really meaningful. Um, And you just, you know, you're doing the token placement that you're doing in Washington's War, and you're moving your armies around, and... um, Oh, the, like, one thing I like about it is each leader has a, a rating... And that mm-hmm. rating is how many dice you can force yourself or your opponent to re-roll. It's like Caesar has like a three, and a lot of the tribe leaders for the Gauls have a one. It's like I may roll in as the Gauls and roll two sixes. So you both roll, and then you get to say, okay, either I will re-roll my dice or I'll force you to re-roll yours? No, you identify a single die. So okay. the attacker starts, let's say the Gauls are attacking my leader's one, and your leader's two. Maybe you don't have Caesar in the battle. And we each roll two dice, and it's going to give you your total on the combat results table, but you can only make me re-roll one dice at a time. Mm-hmm. So if you as the Romans roll 12, my... Is it Gaelic? If you're saying Gauls? That wouldn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's what I've always said is Gaelic. Okay. So my... Well, I'm going to say tribal leader, so it doesn't sound like a ding-dong. He has one re-roll. <laughs> I can't target both your sixes. I'll say, all right, you re-roll one of your sixes. And you can re-roll that. And let's say you roll a one. Well, the Romans are going to tick up to a three automatically, which is bullshit. I'm getting my, <laughs> I'm getting my ass kicked right now. And then uh, you can say, all right, re-roll your four or whatever. And you just go back and forth until you run out of those re-rolls. And that's a nice little uh, mechanic. Cool. I'll have to try that one. Yeah, it's fun. I, I want to spend some more time with it. We're, uh, I can't remember if we've scheduled another game of it or not. I should probably reach out to him and see what looks good uh, to keep playing it. But again, I it's like in Next War, I was thinking about this. Even though I may not be doing well in Next War, like I'm not making the right decisions or maybe I'm not using my assets correctly, I still mm-hmm. feel like I'm doing well or like i feel like i know what i should be doing i have no idea what i should be doing in the caesar but it's a much simpler game which is interesting so uh there's a little bit of a puzzle to crack there i think to know how to play the game well that's how i often feel in 18xx games (laughs) (laughs) well that's very true about those games because like mechanically they are very simple but it's the decision making yeah good what about you what have you been playing so I've been playing Imperial Struggle again with my wife. She's enjoying that game. So I'm, I'm playing that again, um, which is kind of nice. We just have it set up on the table. We play a turn every two or three days or something. And it, it, it lends itself well to that. So we've been playing that some more. 
Um, I have some ongoing advanced squad leader games, but we've had some cancellations. So I can't remember if I've played since the last time we recorded, but I do have a couple historical ASL games going. Stalingrad, or uh, Red Red October, and uh, Hatton and Flames. Got both of those going, which because we've had some cancellations, I'm actually going to play them both this week. So nice. wish me luck. Good luck. Yeah, and then uh, and then the new game that I've got on my table that I'm I'm trying to learn now is Jaws of Victory, Ooh. which is by New England Simulations. It's a uh, it's it's OCS BCS ish. Um, it's it's sort of that scale and complexity just to give you an idea where it is. But it's the uh, it's late war Eastern Front and you know, obviously German Germany and Russia and learning that one because I'm going to play with some friends and. Well, next week now it's coming up soon. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's good so far. I haven't played it against anyone. Um, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad. I'm, I'm missing one that, that one. Yeah. Now when you, when you say OCS BCS, is that each side takes a full activation or is it by like, is it BCS design where you're breaking up the activations? Um, for the most part, it's it's one side moves. Now, like the Germans do have, like they have some uh, armor. Uh, what do they call it? Armor reaction. So, like if if you're the Russians and you move into a hex, and the Germans have armor in an adjacent hex, they can move in to join that battle. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's it's I go, you go. Okay. Cool. It's yeah. uh, it's a great looking game. I remember when that came out. I was very interested in, in grabbing a copy of it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Next, next time we record, I'll, I'll have a full review for it. For nice. You, so. And we're going to have, well, next time we record will be our end of the year, uh, wrap up show. Oh yeah. So, and then in January, um, although I'll want to hear your thoughts next time, but next month we're going to do our kind of everything. We'll, we'll start with more games. And then I thought we'd talk about all of them all the other nonsense we talk about uh just kind of end of the year best of stuff we enjoyed nice and then we'll be back to back to the normal schedule january and february and then we when we run out of games to talk about we can talk about our anticipated <laughs> games for 2021 to bail us out yeah when we run out of games when we've played all the games that we actually own <laughs> yeah right <laughs> when we've ranked all the war games <laughs> nice good i i am looking forward to that like I said, I almost pulled the trigger on it, but I was like, I just don't know when I'll ever get this played. Which I can probably say about most things I own, but yeah. it is what it is. Good. Uh, well, we've we've been playing something else, and that's our featured game this month. Uh, you and I played. I sat down with Mitchell Lane and played a game, and then just pushed some stuff around solo. Uh, last 100 Yards from GMT Games, designed by Mike Denson, is our featured game this month. Um <clears throat> So, Last 100 Yards is World War II tactical in the same vein as, but very distinct from, squad, Advanced Squad Leader, Advanced Brook System, Combat Commander, uh, Band of Brothers, all of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at it on the board, if you're just walking past, you might think, oh, they're playing ATS or ASL or something like that. Yeah. Right. That guy's got firepower. That guy's got yep. range. That guy Same approximate got, size map right. and all that. Right, right, right. Um, it not not what makes this game unique, or I guess what's of note is 
this started my interest in this started when you guys in St. Louis ran the game day with designer and brought in Mike Benson. Yeah. And right off the bat, one of the, the most impressive things about this game is Mike's passion for it. Oh yeah. Um, even if you don't get this chance to sit down and talk with him, you, you see it in the scenario booklet. There's, I don't, I don't want to say an essay, but it really is almost an essay in the back of the book of his whole, like, what are we doing here? What's the whole purpose? Why do we do this in last hundred yards? And it's actually a really enjoyable read because that's a legitimate question. Like another tactical World War II game, why do we need this? And I think his passion comes through, whether you're sitting down and talking to him, he loves this game. He loves the design concepts he came up with. And so, yeah, whether you're talking to him or reading the uh, scenario playlist, uh, I think that comes through. Yeah, and this is his first and, and only game so far. I mean, he's got an expansion expansions coming out for it, but this is his only game. Yeah, so Airborne just shipped, and then I got an email notification that the other one hit um and i'll just hit its number hit its number and just for full disclosure i'll look up the p550 <laughs> uh the solomon islands so that's cool uh yeah so let's talk about it a little bit uh it's world war ii tactical squad level you've heard all that before but it's a very unique game in how how it plays right it's not it's not like asl at all um well i mean i guess kind of like asl but <laughs> it doesn't try to be asl right. i mean there right. are other games that you're like okay this is where you could you could almost teach it by saying it's like asl except this rule and this rule this one is not trying to be asl right where i would say band of brothers which is a game i liked was very specifically trying in my opinion to be a simpler more approachable ASL and it did it very mm -hmm. well. Last hundred yards is more about um I think modeling just like the confusion and um just like I don't even know if confusion is necessarily the right word, just the the chaos and, and randomness of the battlefield. And so where an ASL or ATS, you're going to, whether you're doing you go, I go, or an ATS, you're doing the, you know, squad by squad activation, whatever. In last hundred yards, one side will gain the initiative and how they move and what they do on the battlefield is going to dictate what everyone else can do. Yeah. Because if so, you're the defender, if you don't have the initiative, which I guess you could be the defender and have the initiative for a turn, but if you don't have the initiative, you have very limited choices of what you're allowed to do. Right. As a general rule, and there's exceptions, there's very limited things you can do unless your units, let's say let's say Rich, Rich wins initiative. So Rich is going to be platoon by platoon. And you can, there's, I'm not going to go too deep in the rules here. Other than, than maybe combat. Um, but so like there are things like, yeah, you can do like platoon cooperation and, and there's all these other exceptions, right? But I'm not going to go into detail about that. Um, and I don't know where I was going. Rich is going to activate his platoons and my units really can't do anything until they actually see Rich do something. Now that can be different things, you know, that could be them you know, try to recover a broken squad or fire or move or any of those things. 
But yeah, because it's which, all reaction based, it right. changes how you think about the game or it changes of like, just where should I have my unit station? Like, yeah, I want to run these guys to the back so I can flip them over. But if I don't win initiative, they're going to be stuck in the back because they're not going to see shit that's going on. Yeah. And to me, that goes hand in hand with what I think is the biggest sort of catch of the game is that it's time-based as well. Because if you are, say you're the defender and you're trying to run out the clock, you know, if if the defender wins initiative and says, well, I'm just going to do nothing and we're just going to kind of waste time for you. Yep. And they, they can pass, right? There are... Yeah. And again, exceptions, right? There are some mandatory things you have to do. Like if you're in the line of sight of someone, you have to recover and that's going to elicit a reaction. Yeah. Um, but right. And then you roll a die and you see how much time has gone by and you're, you're constantly monitoring, monitoring this number. And most games of this that I've played have been very close. So I think it's very well balanced, like mm-hmm. whatever the number is, but it's, time however many minutes plus a casualty modifier Mm -hmm. so not only is it time but it's also like well you can't just run forward down the middle of the lane because you're gonna you're gonna lose too many guys either the the modifier is gonna be too high or you're gonna go um over your limit like not only will you add to your time but you also have a fixed number that you can't go over and i'm sorry that my voice is being weird I was I was sick all weekend with a stomach flu, and I'll just apologize for the quality of, like, I feel like I'm out of breath, which really makes it sound like COVID, but I had a test. I <laughs> had COVID before. I don't have COVID now, but so I apologize for that. Excuse me. You have a mask over your microphone. <laughs> Maybe I should. Um, so that's, um, you know, just, just talking about, like, how the game makes you think, it's different than... ASL, ATS, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, I would say, is maybe kind of in between the two. It's, you know, and I guess ATS, where it's squad by squad, potentially, which is Mm -hmm. the way to play ATS, in my brief experience with it. That changes how you would play if you're doing, like, you go, I go in ASL. Um, there's There's no prep fire. There's no... Um, you know, nope. hey, stop moving. You know, you're not inching along hex by hex. All the modifiers in combat are based off their final destination. And yeah. everyone gets a shot and you basically t- take the best result. Right. And you keep but tra- it's it's a benefit to shoot first also because the mm-hmm. guy that shoots second is going to have penalties to his shot. Right, cuz you don't resolve fire until everyone has passed. Mm-hmm. And so you amass all of these counters, keeping track of, right, this squad fired. Um, nope, you're in a stone building. That's going to be minus two. This thing applies. We're net minus one, right? Maybe my firepower takes us up to net minus one. All right, these guys are further away. That's going to make us net minus two. So you have a minus one counter, a minus two counter. Maybe you fired mortars. You got a zero counter. You resolve all of those things, and those things stay there on the map, which, like you said, can suppress that guy or do other things. Yeah. Yeah, so at the end, when you resolve all the fire, you know, if if my, my guy might have a stack of units, a stack of counters on top of him, 
you know, I've got a minus one, a minus one, a zero, and a minus two, and you're going to roll four dice. You're going to roll one at minus one, one at minus one, one at zero, minus two, and just one of those four has to hit your target number in order to get an effect. Right. And only only one of those will. Right. So, like, if, yeah, you, have, if you get two effects, it's the same as getting one. What's what's the highest? Plus four, plus three, or something like that? Like, there's a cap of positive amount of, as the attacker, you want to roll high. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you may want to stop and think like, gosh, if I have, you know, two plus three sit on this guy, maybe I should fire elsewhere. Um, because only one of them are going to go through. Right. Yeah. So it's got this, um, I'm trying to think if we, we kind of already hit on what makes it, um, unique, which the biggest things that make it unique, the time-lapse, the initiative, you know, it's not it's not a fixed of who's going to be taking actions. You're just going to roll to see who gets it. And then this, um, the combat system are like the three most unique things about it. Um, mortars are interesting. You, you basically have a forward observer and you can like try to press your luck to leave them on the battlefield. And then you just roll each turn to see when they come back. Uh, but they're pretty straightforward. You don't have like... Um, like a massive chart like you do in ATS. Yeah. But if you've played ASL, mortars are more like OBA or offboard artillery than they are the mortars in ASL. Because ASL, you've got mortars that are a weapon that your guys carry around, whereas in, in the last hundred yards, it's basically coming from off the board and hitting spots that you're calling for. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like like rules-wise... I don't know. It's all about like it was nice. So we played this last September is when we first played it, right? Yeah, it was, that sounds about right. Yeah. And then between this episode and the last episode is when I picked it up again. And it was um, like it took a little bit to pick it back up. And there's uh, there's like line of sight rules and everything just like in ASL and all that stuff. But like when I played the defender against Mitch it really illustrated like how important it is. Like he took one of his platoons kind of around the like right flank of the map and probably had two or three activations over there where I couldn't really see anything, maybe just two activations, but like how important that is in your game of maneuvering to deny activations for your opponent. Yeah. And then even when you get close, it factors in when, our game can, came down to the end of the game. It's like, well, gosh, I really want to do this with these guys. But then that means these guys on, like, the other side of the map are going to, you know, get to respond and mess up my whole plan. And Yeah, the uh, sort of the, I don't know, you know what do you, small arms fire, which is, you know, guys shooting at each other from some sort of distance, even if they're next to each other, is relatively i don't want to say it's it's not very bloody bloody but it's you're not going to really destroy guys that way but once you get into hand to hand combat it gets really ugly in a hurry for both yeah, sides you definitely i in my opinion i mean i could be wrong i don't really think i'm great at this game by any means um i think you want to get in as close as possible yeah and yeah I, and if you can if you can get into hand-to-hand combat and then have another unit follow up on the guys that just got attacked, they're going to be done. Yep. And it's all about like, 
and it, it models it's not easy to knock a guy out of a foxhole and like you said you're gonna have to get yeah. in there and assault go hand to hand if you really want it and you're not gonna get him out of there with a rifle shot yeah have you played much with the armor rules no just the one game um but i don't i reread them the last few weeks and they didn't seem too complex yeah you know guys you're in motion or not guys can get on or get off but I don't remember a whole lot from our game day. Do you? Um, not from our game day, but there was a game that I played with Mitch where we were trying out the armor rules and we sort of both came away with the impression that with armor rules, even more than with small arms fire, first shot is the most important. Like you've got to stay hidden until you're ready to shoot and then you ambush them and kill them before they have a chance to do anything. Well, I think one of the things he talks about, and again, if, if, if you own this game and you haven't read through the scenario booklet and you haven't read Mike's thoughts on his designer notes, one of the things he talks about with armor is he wanted to portray just how poorly um, armor responded and how little awareness they had on the battlefield. So that probably ties into what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, landing that first shot, and that's going to be the end of it. Good. Any anything else? I, don't uh, know. I really like the mortar stuff. I mean, my favorite way to play that game, and I've played a little bit of all of it in there, is you know you've got basically the three levels. You've got just your infantry guys, you've got your mortars, and you've got your armor. I like playing with infantry and mortars in that game. I think the mortar rules are really good. There's some really interesting stuff, especially when you're, you know. Uh, if you've got guys that are assaulting you or if you are assaulting a building or something and you start dropping mortar rounds on that building, you get some really interesting stuff because they're landing all around. And yeah, I, I like the mortar rules a lot. Have you played um, fighting formations? I have not. Okay. So that's like, in my opinion, that's like the creme de la creme of mortar rules. And, yeah. But so it's not my favorite set of mortal rules but i do think they're fun and enjoyable in this game for sure um i don't think i've done much with like smoke and that's that's probably a good thing to point out here is there's no smoke grenades you're not um you're not you know in asl you're gonna throw down some smoke and carry on your way and i'm gonna try i never throw (laughs) right yeah i either forget to do so or i roll poorly well, the only smoke here is from your your mortars. Maybe some <laughs> yeah. vehicles can do it. So I'd be could I'd be curious to hear what Mike's thought process was for leaving out smoke uh, grenades. Um, Mitch thought maybe it's because their effectiveness in World War II wasn't that yeah. high. Yeah, and if you I read some of the notes from ASL, like I mean, I was joking saying I either forget to do it or roll poorly, but. Yeah, it's not as simple as pulling the pin and throwing a grenade. I mean, there's to, to effectively block an area with smoke is is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about the game, just in general? Well, I'm just. I know you see so you have airborne in your hands now. Have you opened it at all? Do you even? No. I'm, I'm just curious it's... to know what the expansion is. No, I haven't because it's sitting okay. at work and I haven't been back to work since I've got sick. Okay. No, it's a good game. It's enjoyable. Um, I mean, I was kind of in the same situation with you or I hadn't played it in a while and it took me a while. I made some really kind of dumb tactical mistakes because I forgot some of the mechanics. Um, like there was one time that, you know, 
shot some guys over there and you're like, okay, well, since those guys already shot, I'm just going to like walk in the back door and murder them. <laughs> um, so you have to be careful as the defender using up your opportunities. Um, but it's fun. Yeah. I would, I would definitely like to play it more. Yeah. And I, I think I imagine that like if someone was looking at ASL or this or, or name a tactical game or this, like, what would you point them to? Um, and I, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend one over the other. Obviously, ASL is like a more robust experience. It's also a hell of a lot more expensive. Like, Yeah, I mean, you can you can get into this for 50 bucks. Whereas right. ASL, I mean, you're looking at... You can't get the rule book for 50 Except for now. Starter Kit, which right, is different. True. But to get into full ASL, you're looking at probably 180 retail for the rule book and the first module. Sure. Right. So, yeah, yeah, you may get a deal, but of course, but um so that's certainly a factor. I mean, if you wanted like look, ASL has been around for years, ATS as well. And like if you want that type of experience very detailed, yeah, that's great. It, but like if the the thought process of like how uh, what am I trying to say? Like, how do small, um, small arms units respond in combat? Like this, I don't know if it simulates. I mean, I've never, I've never been in combat or, or or anything like that, so I don't know if it simulates it as accurately. But yeah. it's a, it's a I've fresh never- and different approach on how, like, here's another way to illustrate small arms combat. And it's it's unique and different. And so if what we talked about like this, where time is now a factor, of course you have turns in ASL, but like your your turns and your casualties and how much time has gone by in your turn plays a factor and, and who wins the initiative and what you do very much restricts or allows your opponent to do different things. If if that sounds interesting, then I think last hundred yards you would enjoy it. Do you, do I think you need to own it in addition to ASL and ATS? I don't necessarily know if it's like must buy, but I do think it offers a unique enough experience that you could justify yeah. owning both. This is also one you can bring to a game day and you can teach someone how to play and play that day. Yeah. I was with ASL. I can't, I can't bring my ASL to you stuff to you and just say, okay, we're going to, you know, learning to play is obviously much more in ASL than it is in this one. I'd agree. Um, and the rule book itself isn't, isn't bad at all. Um, my first crack through it was I was extremely hungover after a, <laughs> Night out with you fine gentlemen in St. Louis and drinking a whole <laughs> bunch of uh, Civ Life brown ale, which is the best brown ale I've ever had in my life. Way too much of that, and then cracked open the rule book the next morning and uh, got through three scenarios pretty painlessly until we got to the line of sight rules, which really aren't bad at all. Yeah, um, there there is some weirdness because it's he's got the what's he calling like the the the, the little terrain lines. lines on the map or whatever he yeah. calls them. Yeah. But once you see yeah. that, it's not, I don't think it's bad at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because it, there are times where you can kind of hide behind a hex and you, 
you know, you may think you're, you, you may think that you like a guy moves into that hex and they're like, okay, I want to shoot him. And he's like, no, you actually can't see him there. Cause right. this little line here gets in between you and yeah. And the, the very, very short of that is little, he- little elevation lines only matter if you're on the same big elevation line. Like they're just the differences between major elevations. Right. So most of the time, or a lot of the time, they're really not even coming into play. Um, but it's just another unique aspect of the game, in my opinion. Yeah. I remember we used them quite a bit in that second scenario, the one that's supposed to teach you how to do assaults, and we used them a lot for recovery. Yeah, you know, the getting tricky... out of line of sight after you do an assault is a big deal. But then, you know, going back to, like, one of the cool things about this game is, yeah, you use them to your advantage, mm-hmm. but they can be a disadvantage as well because now you've taken yourself out of line of sight, yeah. which is just a different way of thinking about you know, in ASL, it's like, yeah, get out of there. Let's recover. Um, yeah, there's no skulking in this game. <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah, there's no, um, what's it called where you slumming? Is that the, where like you go back and then you ad- advancing phase in? So no, it's fire skulking. Okay, skulking. skulking. Yeah. Yeah, there's none of that because yeah. if Assault, you do that. move back and then advance <laughs> right. forward, yeah. Right, yeah. No, that's definitely not a thing here. And then there's uh, a big component is platoon leaders. Definitely don't want your leader to die. They'll come back. Maybe not the same guy. And well, like, it's the same counter, but you get what I'm saying. Like, thematically, it's probably someone else. Um, yeah, you if you lose it, them, they're going like to be out turns for later seven minutes. Well, it's seven minutes. Oh, okay. Which is, that's, you know, two Oh, or so three it depends on turns. where you roll, right? Right. Uh, so you definitely want to protect your leaders because you're basically combat ineffective with that platoon. Right. Again, exceptions to all these rules. Uh, that's that's definitely something in the game too. Uh, but so far, I mean, that's it. You have your your squads, which can break down into sections. Um, oh, and that's like when they break down the sections, you don't know the quality of section you're gonna get. You pull yeah, blind. That's an from interesting a, role too. I yep. like that. Uh, so you got you got your squad counters. You got your uh, mortar counters, which you don't even really move. It's just you call for them and put them on the map when they come into play uh armor um you've got like toad guns you've got machine gun counters eight uh anti-tank counters which just kind of move along with your squads and then you've got your platoon leaders and that's pretty much it for like units in the game so it's not super dense yeah uh cool anything else no i think that's it Good. Um, let's talk about um, like just the so it's World War Two. Um, I think my go to just general World War Two history is. Um, oh my gosh, it's gonna drive me nuts. All my books are. Uh, oh my gosh! Son of a bitch. So a good one to go with this one while you're looking that up would <laughs> probably be Thanks. something like Band of Brothers because Band of Brothers is yes. about small unit actions. Yes. Um, I wanted to say Stephen Ambrose, but that's not that's not who I'm thinking of. Um, but Stephen Ambrose did do Band of Brothers, so mm-hmm. you're um, you're right. You know, I used to recommend um, maybe it was by him. 
He had another book. Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. This is a good radio right here. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He had another book that was like about uh, citizen soldiers. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but see, so here's the deal. I don't, I learned some things about Stephen Ambrose and how he doesn't like to give people credit for the things they did and how people have called him out on bad history and he just kind of ignores it. Um, I read his train book. And so like, yeah, his stuff is really good. Um, but he gets a lot of criticism for plagiarism and factual errors. So now I'm less reluctant to recommend anything by Stephen Ambrose. Mm, I hadn't uh, heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but then there's the, oh my gosh, there's, there's the other guy who's done a whole bunch of books like by location. Like he's got a Crete book. He's got a Normandy book. Anthony Beaver. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, sure. Be- Beaver's got a... Just general World War II history. Not small unit action. It's just called the Second World War. But like if you just want, I guess if you wanted an overview. But your recommendation is probably better. I would go something like squad based. You should read Matterhorn. <laughs> Matterhorn based in World War Two. Well, <laughs> I mean, you should just read Matterhorn in general. <laughs> just read it. <laughs> just fucking read it. Yeah, exactly. But... You want to talk about like small unit action, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's also fiction, so. So but, he can't say it was made up because it was made up. So <laughs> apparently, well, I was going to make some crack about Stephen Ambrose, but I'll just let it. <laughs> I'll just let it um, yeah, it's kind of hard to recommend something for, um, you know, World War II tactical games. Because, you know, World War II tactical games, unless you're playing like historical ASL, are just kind of abstracted anyways. I mean, you're still playing on a tactical map, but it's not a, you know, picture for picture, you know, reprint of a scenario. Yeah. Unless you're playing like, this is the Pegasus bridge scenario, then, you know, you could read something about that, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Anything else you want to say about the game? Excuse me. No, I want to know where it falls on the list. Yeah. So this is our first, definitely fell behind on that whole goal of ranking world war ii tactical games but this is the first one right <laughs> we got one this year oh, we got one hey, in that's 2020 that's a victory <laughs> you know i felt bad when i was after i did the year-end show last year and went through the awards i think i completely snuffed last hundred yards which is a real shame because this with just how unique it is and just like being a different take on world war ii tactical mm-hmm no, I don't necessarily think you have to go out and buy this game if you already own a World War II tactical game. No, I, I think that's ridiculous. But that's like a really good game that, I mean, and it, it kind of came and then went last year. Speaking of awards, I don't want to get into this because everyone else already has, but did Last 100 Yards win a CSR? I think it won for World War II. No, because what's the submarine game? Oh, you boot. So it wouldn't have, then, yeah. Then okay, never mind. On the Charles S. Roberts Awards. <laughs> that was the... Let me just tell you something. You send out, first off, you ask for my address and then like make me opt out of spam mail to submit a ballot. I did not submit a ballot. I thought it was ridiculous that they needed my address for an online poll. In May or April, you collect ballots on June 15th. You extend that. And then in October, you finally announce the winners. 
like I understand we all have real lives and we do it for fun, but I was like, I don't know. You could say it was a little bugaboo this year that got under my skin. It got under everyone's skin. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think that was handled very. And I get it. Everyone has their own their own lives and war game awards really aren't that big a deal. But I tell you what, we're all wrong in what we're playing. U boot is apparently the best war game ever made. Not only that, but it had the had the best map of the year, even though the game doesn't have a map. Oh boy. <laughs> you know, we're not gonna have a very long episode. We should rank this. We should probably talk about Charles O. Roberts Awards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's rank this on the awards that matter. And that's the every war game ever list. Uh, Rich and I are merely the arbiters of this list, this completely objective, unbiased list, ranking of every war game ever. Um, there's thousands of war games, and right now we're ranking number 28. This won't go in at number 28, uh, but it'll go somewhere on this list. Yeah, and this is a this is a a big big month for this one to make the list because next year next month the list could change. The list could change. Yes, um, we're you know, you know the guys I ripped this from they talk being talk about being marble sculptors. I'm gonna say we're more like clay sculptors and like we're still spinning the bowl right now um, because we can edit our lists once a year. Is the rules laid before us by ourselves? Uh, okay. So at the top of the list, U.S. Civil War. At the bottom of the list, Zeppelin Raider. Uh, I'm gonna shoot up. I'm gonna set some bookmarks here. Um, it is not better than U.S. Civil War, and it is, <laughs> it is better than Twilight Struggle and Operation Pegasus. I forgot we had Twilight Struggle on there. <laughs> yeah. It was it snuck in with Imperial Struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a, a two for one. What are what are your initial thoughts? If if I give you those bookmarks. Um Yeah, see this is where it gets difficult. Um <laughs> and and part of it is I can say, and I truly believe this, this game is not trying to be ASL. But I'm still going to compare it to ASL. Right. Yeah, of course. Because I have ASL. And if I have a chance to play it, I'm always going to play ASL. I'm not going to pick up the last 100 yards. I mean, you know, when you came to me a few weeks ago, hey, let's play this game. Yeah, absolutely. I'll play with you. But if you came to me and said, let's play a game, what do you want to play? I'd say, well, let's play ASL. So it's hard um, for that reason. What, but just looking hold on, hold on. in that. Yeah. Sorry, I, I I try not to interrupt, but I, one thing I want to ask you real quick, like let's say you were back to, and I was back to a regular monthly ASL group, and I was playing mm-hmm. ASL monthly. Yeah. And then I drive up to, well, all right, let's say we both go to Columbia, and we're there, and it's like, hey, Rich, I brought all my ASL counters, and I brought last 100 yards. And I guess this isn't really a fair question, but like, I mean, that's how things were when normal is I had a monthly right. ASL game. Would yeah. that still be your stance that you would prefer ASL? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. If we ever put ASL on this list, you and I are going to fight <laughs> because <laughs> you know oh, I think it's going to be on my list. I don't, I don't know about number one, but every time I play ASL, I love it. Yeah. Uh, going, they both tell good stories. Yeah. Going back. So let's see. So you're saying higher than Operation Pegasus, which is 17. So the next one, so Normandy 44, 
I haven't played Normandy 44, but I know that's system, but well. See here, I'm going to jump up to 13. I'm going to say Axis Empires to Taller Creek. Again, I keep saying this. I haven't played it. I compare it to Unconditional Surrender Europe, though. I'd rather play that. I, I just, there's, it's such a deep game. There's so much in there um, that I I would, I'd start below that. I think so you're right. I'm going to give you a high-end bookmark that you need to go below now, and we'll we'll, we'll zero in on it. Okay, so we're looking at uh, Imperial Struggle at 14, Operation Pegasus at, at 17. I think yeah. we're both in agreement it's above Twilight Struggle. Yeah. Okay. Um, the greatest war game of all time. <laughs> it's something. Um, so here's here's something I'll, I'll throw out there that we, we can chew on a little bit here. Um, it was really cool to play a 2v2 game. And I think, I want to say it was Mitchell Land and I versus you and Mike Denson. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And I had Mike on my and side. I, I think, and I think we Mitchell took lost. the that armor. That tells how bad I am. Uh, no, I think Mike <laughs> won because, like, Mike is very good at this game. It, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. He's very good, which would make sense. Um, I've actually never seen Mitch play Next War, so I don't even know if he knows how to play Next War. I'll, just, I'll throw that out there. Let him <laughs> I played I played India Pakistan against him and he nuked me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he probably just <laughs> Multiple did it so times. good. <laughs> Um, it was really cool to have like an armor commander is, is what we did. And then an infantry. And I think Mitch took the armor and I took the infantry. Yeah. Um, and like, that was a really cool gaming moment. Um, something like SPQR, like, I don't think you're going to have a cool gaming moment. So SPQR comes in above operation Pegasus at 16 other than, all right, your initial elephant charge. Like, yeah, that's always going to be a cool thing in SPQR. But really, it's just kind of a lot of upkeep to stampede your elephants around. Yeah. So I'm going to put it above SPQR. All right. So now. Which, so then it just, it comes in. So uh, 14 and 15. 14 is Imperial Struggle, which you've played, mm-hmm. I haven't. And Normandy 44, which I've played, you haven't. But you yeah. know the system. Yep. How does this compare against Imperial Struggle? I'd say it's pretty comfortable. They're they're very different games, but fun level quality of the game. I'd say they're. I, this feels like about the right place. Now whether it comes in one above, one below, right in there. I mean, I think we're. I think it's in the right place wherever we put it here. Right. I will say this. Um, one thing that is great about Last Hundred Yards is even the, you know, um, first few scenarios. You're done in a night, which you really can't be said the same thing. And for me, a night is typically two hours. Hop on around 8 o'clock, I play till 10, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Same with RPGs. If I tried to do that with even the ASL starter kit scenario one, you're not finishing that in two hours. Maybe if you both know the game. Yeah, that's probably true. Like the back of your hand. So ASL plays much slower. Yeah. Um, Normandy 44 has two scenarios. There's a Cherbourg scenario, and then there's the whole kit and caboodle. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything else in that game. Um, yeah, well, Imperial Struggle, there is one scenario, and that's the whole game. And well, it, but, but like I said, my wife and I, we keep it set up on the table. We play one or two turns a week, three turns if we get lucky, and um, it plays well, so that it, way. But there's, it varies, in you don't really need scenarios because the, the tiles that are available and the cards come out is, are what give it its... Right. Variability. Yeah. My uh, point is, though, Imperial Struggle, 
there's no it's it it is all or nothing in that game so it's not oh right there's right. no small scenario you can't like just play the last turn or something sure um I'm comfortable putting it above Normandy 44 just because and we've uh, Normandy 44 seems to be a measuring stick for this list. Yeah. Normandy 44 is fantastic. It's just not, it's not even really close to Stalingrad 42. Again, it's very good, but Stalingrad 42 is such an improvement on the system, in my opinion, just for simple things of removing like limitations on combat factors and introducing a couple new rules. I think it's it a seems like step. He just gets better and better with everyone. Right. I can't wait for Salerno. Oh, man. Yeah, and then I heard, like, there's two more Italy ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got, yeah. Awesome. I would love for him to do a Sicily one, but I heard that's not in the works. Um, I'm really excited to play Ardennes over the next couple mm-hmm. of months. It's good. Um, Holland's so my gonna, favorite, but Ardennes is good. Well, I got my ass kicked in Holland. I've talked about that before. <laughs> uh, Normandy 44. So I'm going to put it above Normandy 44. I'll leave it up to you to put it below or above Imperial Struggle. Hmm. Uh, I'll put it below. Okay. I think Imperial Struggle is just a little bit better of a game. I'm fine with that. We'll see what the new stuff... Um what new stuff is added in airborne excuse me back to hiccup yeah i'm anxious to hear if there are you know any significant rule changes due to new units or if it's just new counters or what new scenarios obviously because there's what eh, what 10 15 scenarios in the the initial box yeah i think a a dozen dozen or so yeah uh yeah but some okay. of them are pretty big the the, the later yes. ones are big scenarios yeah so. it, it kind of those first three are meant to introduce new rules right and then by four then you're kind of in it and then like then you start introducing armor and so on mm-hmm. um cool well there you go folks uh number 15 on the list is last hundred yards coming in below imperial struggle just above normandy 44 and that pushes Zeppelin Raider down to 28. We'll see how low it will go. Uh, good. Uh, so now's the point in our show where we just talk about all the other stuff and other shenanigans we're up to. Um, I've talked about history off the table for the time being. That's delayed because our game room is is delayed. Um, so is it t- delayed because you're waiting for stuff? Uh, yes, we are okay. waiting on our, our table. Okay. So there's just there's two guys at the at the shop, and then I think they have another guy that helps them, and they put out a help wanted ad, and then I think they had a COVID deal that kind of put them out of commission, and then after that they have like a big, like they have a work area and kind of like a more industrial part of KC on the Kansas side, and they did like a showroom event a few weeks ago, so they were getting ready for that. And I, I just asked him, said, hey, I'm not rushing you or anything. I completely understand. Just wonder if we got a new time frame. And he said December, which is perfect because we got to finish our basement anyways. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's that. Uh, let's see. Other other stuff. Uh, we talked about Board Game Arena. I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I've, I've talked about and you've experienced and talked about in the past 18xx.games which is an amazing website with rule enforcement to play 18xx games. It's phenomenal. And something that's been around for a lot longer is Board Game Arena, which is uh, 
everyone should be on it. <laughs> uh, when I was, you know, on, on Thanksgiving, I, I quarantined myself and pretty, pretty lame all day. Um, I played like 10 games of Terra Mystica online and um, Clans of Caledonia. I've never played that game. Oh, it's so good. And that's that's what I wanted to get to is it's nice to be able to play just like a week or so ago. I was like, I really want to play Gaia Project or Terra Mystica. Gaia Project's not online, but Terra Mystica is. They're basically the same game. There's rules differences. Um, amazing game. And it's it's really cool to be able to – I have a Chromebook that I use as a laptop, so I can't do Vassal or Tabletop Simulator on my laptop. But I was I was sick for the last – four or five days uh i just played a ton of like there's all kinds of stuff on here seven wonders duel terra mystica and i i had heard board game arena a lot before in the past but it was uh roy over on your other podcast chance of gaming mm-hmm. uh and talking about all the stuff he plays like oh I, I play those games like those are all games i like and so i went and checked it out and it's a it's a great website and i i think it's worth noting you talked about this is it has unconditional surrender massive oh, I, yeah kind i mean of, that's not that's not a little game and it's not a simple game that's no. that's just an impressive impressive feat of programming just to get that in there right and because again i haven't played it yet the only i did play the the initial poland scenario just because i wanted to see how it looked and it's amazing yeah the big the big thing here is rule enforcement like and not just rule enforcement like you can't do that like you click on a guy and it shows you like where here's what's eligible here's right. what's not eligible like and this is all web based um and to, to pick unconditional surrender is really impressive yeah i mean like some yeah. things make sense like i've played a dozen games of can't stop which is a really simple pressure like dice rolling game and it's really fun mm-hmm. makes sense for that to be on there it's super simple like unconditional surrender that's nuts yeah and if you think they would want to start with a war game they'd start with I mean, there's there's a lot simpler stuff out there just as far as rules. Right. It's amazing that that's in there and that it, it looks so good. Yeah. Now, it is in beta, um, but I think they're progressing along pretty nicely. So I fired up a game, and you and I have talked about playing. Mm-hmm. Now, when you and I play, I I legitimately want to read the rules. And I told the other guys, I was like, well, I'll read the rules first. And I'm like, well, there's rule enforcement. Just start it. <laughs> uh so i have and i have no idea what i'm like i haven't read one paragraph of the unconditional surrender <laughs> rule book i have no idea what i'm doing in germany yeah well uh, yeah i mean that that might not be a bad idea too if we play we could just play live and get on discord or something and just so i can say okay well here's what you need to do next because the sequence of play is pretty comprehensive in that one and if you just you know you still have to read the rule book, but you can kind of follow along and say, okay, well, here's what comes next. And here's how I'm going to check for supply and stuff like that. So that's, and that brings up another point that I want to mention is I'm not a big play by email guy. Never have been. Don't think I ever will be. Mm-hmm. This does asynchronous really well. Um, I don't have to like, it's just a hurdle. Like it's, it's, if you make it easier for me to get in here and enjoy it, I'm more likely to do it. So, if I'm going to open up a vassal, click through the log, rethink about all my turns, like I don't want to do that unless I'm enjoying that time with someone else. Yeah. Like on Board Game Arena, you just click your things. You don't really have to like reread the rules or anything. So I've I've been playing like Terra Mystica, um, asynchronous, both with people I know and people I don't know. 
Uh, and it you just log in and say like, all right, you're playing on, you have five games in progress and it's your turn on two of them. And you can set like a time limit if you're worried about how long people take or like in friend games, you don't have to worry about time limit and all that stuff. Really great website. It's free, which is nuts. Like if you want to play some games, someone needs to uh, be a premium member. But as long as someone in your game is a premium member, which is not expensive at all, like I think it's maybe like 20 bucks a year or something. As long as one person has that, you can all play those premium games. Uh, just a crazy good deal in another website that I'm really impressed with. Have you ever played any computer games like uh, War in the East, War in the West, any of those? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Adam just gifted me uh, War in the East, so I've got that, and I think it was on sale on Steam, and I'm going to try that out. I mean, it's I, I've never played it, but it's 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 a Hex Encounter War game that's on the computer, so. I did we'll play Ultimate General Civil War, and I've, I've, I've actually heard that the first one, Gettysburg, is better because it... It just kind of refocuses on the battle and more of like the mm-hmm. like campaign game aspect. Um, but like anytime I try to dive into like super deep war games, they, they never really stick. The The one exception is the uh, um, not Europa Universalis. That one did not stick. Uh, Crusader <laughs> Kings 3, which oh, is okay. yeah. like everyone said, like you can just jump in. Like there's no tutorial the tutorial's not any better than any of those other games, but like it's pretty clear what you should be doing. But that game is bonkers. You can eat your grandkids, yeah, your kids do. I haven't played that one, but EU four, I have. I own it. I've tried to play it a few times. Couldn't relate again to it. Hearts of Iron, I've played a decent amount, um, but it's just it gets silly after a while, you know. Because like in Hearts of Iron, it's like it's it's not enough to win world war two. You have to like conquer the whole world. <laughs> so like you look at like you go online, you look at people's playthroughs like, okay, well today I'm going to play as Mexico and we're going to conquer the whole world as <laughs> communist Mexico or something. And they do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I applaud those people. And I, I've tried <laughs> watching YouTube videos to, especially with the EU four and I watched them and they just like do it. And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> register. Yeah. So, Props to those people. I've got a buddy, uh, my brother's uh, co-worker from a long time ago. They no longer work together. But that guy has like a thousand hours plus in EU4. It's it's amazing. Mm. Um, anyways, that's uh, since I mentioned 18xx.games, we've been playing some more 18xx. We have a 12-person game. That's never, ever going to finish. No, no, it's not. Of 1870. So, <laughs> we've been playing for a week, and I think I've gotten to pass one time. i have bid oh so yeah i guess you're more involved in it because you're involved in the first bid yes right but i think i'm about to drop out of that bidding Uh, for the train station if someone if someone i mean if someone else bids me then i'm out but like it's just bonkers that you would ever have a 1817 is i've never played it before it's already a bonkers 18x game 18xx game like mergers is is one thing that i saw in 1832 but this has like loans and short selling yeah. stocks and converting from two to five stock companies and just have like you played bonkers. 1862 1862 have i it's the which one I is don't, that i don't know this new but gmt recently oh no uh, okay i'm not that one's got mergers in it in yeah, fact that's the only way to get multiple train types is through a merger interesting 
I have it. I just need to look through it. I don't um like I've I've tried I've put 18xx in the bag to be played with family members, but it's never been pulled out. Yeah. So, My family's uh, open to it, so we've got we've got 18 AL and 18 Max, and I think probably sometime in the next month we're going to try at least one of those. Good. I like 18 AL because it's got the the upside of giving players or it has historical objectives for your companies so it at least yeah. like if you start this company right, like right. here's somewhere where you should at least aim for mm-hmm. which is a really and i actually like it as a i know everyone says it's like a beginner game and stuff but i've played it and i played it it was probably the 10th different you, you know unique 18xx game i've played it was not my starter one but i still enjoyed it a lot actually i think it's a pretty good game cool Anything else on the train front for you? No, I mean when I I'm enjoying playing these 18xx games, but I I feel like a monkey just like randomly pushing buttons half the time. Yeah, um, it seems like you have them down. I think the the what's yeah. <laughs> unfortunate this website's so great, but um, you're missing the dialogue, right? Right, that and is part that- of it too. Yeah, not sitting around the table with people makes a difference. Right. But part of it is just, you know, often I'll find myself, you know, we're three quarters into a game and some guy is like completely out of my reach. He's a, he's a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks ahead of me. And I'm looking at the stocks he owns and the stocks I own. And it's like, there's no way I will ever catch him because every time I make a dollar, he's making a dollar 50, you know, that's pretty like <laughs> good. It took me quite a few plays to realize, like to start thinking like that. Like if I like that's that's pretty awesome because well the problem is I don't know what lever to pull (laughs) to stop that from happening but at least well I or I what lever do you pull to change it like what can I do all right he's always going to make a dollar fifty and I'm going to make a dollar all right what can I do to make two that's I mean I think that's pretty impressive (laughs) yeah that's they're killing it on that website yeah the nice the nice thing about playing there though because obviously there's literally no setup, you know, you hit a button and it's set up and, and the games go much quicker. They take longer real time. They'll stretch out over a couple of weeks, but they go quicker in actual time that you're playing because you can play a lot. You can just like, there was one game I played a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really have a good company I can buy. I'm going to try to just invest in a bunch of stuff and see how it works out. That's and awesome. it didn't. But I was like, I'm, I'm going to try it and see how it works. I haven't tried this before. so Yeah, but playing the investor does work sometimes. I, I'm pretty sure there was a, we play uh, 1849, which is probably my favorite 18xx game. Mm-hmm. And that that's not on there yet. Uh, but hopefully, because All Board Games is putting out a new copy of it, uh, hopefully it shows up there. I, I want to say that one of the players one just basically in the investor role i i could be wrong yeah um but i mean it's it seems to be a valid strategy hmm. cool uh what about rpgs Are you doing any role playing yeah still playing uh warhammer fantasy which nice. i'm enjoying um we've played a few sessions now and we're um starting to get to the good stuff uh so we're playing that it's just like every other tuesday night that's used to be my in-person group and now we're playing online it's a slightly different group of people but the like the two of us that are the two gms in the group we're we're still together so 
And then I'm actually about to start up a, uh, a Star Wars game for my family. Nice. Um, since my daughter's going to be home for a couple months, we, we actually just made characters last night, and I'm going to run something for them over the next couple months. Are you doing Fantasy Flight, or are you doing yeah. listening? Yeah, games? Fantasy Flight. Cool. That's probably the system that I know the best. So it's that one's easy for me to just pick up. And honestly, I will probably just basically make stuff up as I go. <laughs> well, that's that's a good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got my real life buddies kind of like I have plenty of online games going. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing new. Our Call of Cthulhu game got pushed, uh, but we'll be back in December uh, yeah. to finally kick off Call of Cthulhu. Uh, you and I and a couple other buddies. Um I don't think there's anything new on that front, but I got the the real life buddies back together. And we thought one guy was going to drop out because he just had his fourth kid, but he's like, no, nah, I'm not going back to work till February. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. Um, that's been really fun. We brought my brother in, and uh, my brother is playing like this geriatric, uh, former paladin cleric, but um, now he's just a cleric with death domain. And like, it's not like the three other guys have never really played Dungeons and Dragons. So they really don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. But like the moment my brother reveals himself as a necromancer, I think (laughs) is going to be hilarious. Cause like (laughs) his character is always falling asleep and like just showed up at the bar and basically is now investing in a a new bar with these characters. Like it's just been ridiculous. Uh, So that's been really cool to get, uh, we kind of fizzled for a bit, but I've got uh, three of my college buddies. Well, shit. College. And you're running that? I'm running that. Okay. Um, it is, we're doing uh, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Okay. And that's fun. Uh, it's good. I, the more I play 5th edition, like the more I actually really enjoy it. The new Tosh's book has me really excited for. Yeah. I, I, I like D&D. I play it, but something about the D20 the fact that it's just pure linear just always kind of rubs me the wrong way. Huh. Always, you know, the whole 5% chance of absolute failure, 5% chance of total success, everything else is linear. Um, I guess Cthulhu, I mean, it's D100, but it's linear. And Star Wars, I like the dice in the FFG Star Wars system. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well. Where you can I, succeed with with uh, threats or or fail with advantages and stuff like that. I'm, I enjoy all of them. There's been very little so far since getting into RPGs that I haven't enjoyed. So whether it's D20 on, and I, I do get what you're saying and I do agree with it, or like the D6 system from Free League, which is super awesome as well. Um, but, you know, we've also been playing, we did a second session of The Score, which is a game about, you know, pulling off different heists. Mm-hmm. And that just uses 1D6. Hmm. And you know, it works like it's, it's a different game experience and it's, it's just like a completely different, like we don't, we don't get on roll 20. We don't use virtual dice. Everyone brings their own dice and it's just more free form and it's a lot of fun, but it's, you know, so I, I think there's, didn't mean to go off on a little rant there, but I think there's, there's something to be enjoyed so far and just about most things I've played over the last year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I've ever played a system that I just, hated i mean there's been games i didn't enjoy but <laughs> oh sure yeah yeah right yeah. oh yeah yeah oh another dice system are you still playing the one ring yes that's a good dice system too yes where you there upgrade are... the dice and you get to add the d6 and yeah that's good i stuff. really like the one ring it is there are some other things i don't like about it not 
necessarily things that are turning me off for it, but I love the character progression in the One Ring. Yeah. Are you going to get the new one when it comes out? Uh, you know, I forgot that there was a new one coming out. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what my group's playing at the time. So. Sure. I'm not a huge Tolkien guy. Yeah, I am, but I haven't played. I've played the One Ring. Um, I don't think I ever played like the D and D Middle Earth setting or anything. Right. Yeah, it's just those adventures which are the same. I think those are the same adventures as the One yeah. Ring. I They're probably is. I know the artwork rails. is the same. Yeah, I th- I think they are. They're very on rails. And so where yeah. I love the system, I would like to also see, um, the GM Ty is doing a fantastic job running those games. But I think he is restricted because I think he's running, which is great. Like sometimes I, I cool, like I want to see those stories play out. I want to see like a campaign or a scenario that's written by someone else and it has these guidelines. Um, but it is like, and he's even said this as well. It's just very rigid, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think there's limitations too as far as the group and I don't even even necessarily mean like the skills of the group, but how often the group can come together and how long they're committed for and everything, because the more you get into open world, the more you kind of need to say, okay, well this group of people is going to meet consistently for five years and we're going to see what happens. (laughs) Whereas, you know, with a smaller, you know, not necessarily a one shot, but more of a railroaded, even if you want to call it a campaign, but, five six sessions or something you know what's going to happen and i see that a lot in the star wars the ffg adventures they're all like three act plays and right anyone that's played any one of them knows what's going to happen anyway so they're they're all railroaded um which is why i kind of pick and choose pieces from those and don't really stick to them but i'm i'm okay with railroading but that's also like again someone who's coming new into rpgs yeah sometimes i want like a GM that's just improvising and maybe just has a loose structure of what they have in mind or no structure and just plays off their players or whatever. If they can make it work, that's great. Also, like we're doing Curse of Strahd right now, and mm-hmm. that's very, um, you know, he that GM is doing that very close to the book. He's doing a fantastic job. And he also like had this hilarious line, like uh, he does these amazing voices and uh, – he he just said something to the effect of like, of like the next three years of your lives or something, and I'm like completely butchering it, but it just it made me crack up because <laughs> it's like yeah shit we're gonna be doing this forever. <laughs> Good. Yeah, Good. when I GM, I'm very I, I I make it up as I go. I mean, I have what I like to do is instead of coming up with a story, I like to write down and develop the details of the background of the world and the setting. And then the way I see it when I'm a GM is you guys play the characters. I play everything else. So I am playing just as much as you are because I'm reacting to what you nice. do. That's and good. if you guys go off and like you ignore this thing that I've warned you about 12 times, well, that thing's just going to happen because right. those guys are, are doing their thing. And then, you know, maybe there will be consequences. Maybe there won't because the bad guys don't always, everything didn't go perfectly for them either. Good stuff. RPGs are fun, and I, oh, yeah. I agree. I've I've been doing some of that myself, where I'm just like, 
I'm um, doing this bubblegum shoe campaign, which is a lot of fun. And like they went a complete like I set up a haunted house for them and they nope, we're going to go <laughs> check out this hotel. Yeah. And then like now they've basically like split the party and all kinds of mayhem is like and that's that's awesome stuff. Um, such a rewarding hobby, in my opinion. I really mm-hmm. hope my kids are into it. If not, well, <laughs> they'll just look at the books like I do. Uh, good. Any anything else you want to talk about? Do you want to take a look at these uh, Charles Charles S. Robert, Roberts awards? I really don't. I mean, we can, but it, everybody has just for good reason. They've been hammering them. They're. I, I don't. I don't know why they did what they did, but whatever. It's. I don't. I don't care that much either. <laughs> right. I, I guess mean, I might be a... offended if I was like you know a, a war gamer designer that came out with this great war game last year and it lost to u-boat but whatever but it is it is vote based right i don't know how much like the panel or i think they call it board of governors or something like that i don't know how much that influenced the final outcome versus the fan vote yeah i i guess i mean I don't know. I mean, if if that's all it is, if if it's just going to be a popularity contest, there's a difference between most popular war game of the year and best war game of the year. You know what I mean? No. Oh, that's you're completely right. Um, I also and war gamers love to argue about what's actually a war game or not. Anyway, sure. So, yeah, it's also like a lot of people submitting their. Well, I don't know what the final vote count was. Must have been pretty high for how long it took, right? Um, <laughs> Like how many fans of U-Boot submitted their address, you know, like I'm not saying there's like vote rigging going on or anything like that. I think there's <laughs> enough claims of that in our world right now that we should ignore. You're blaming uh, it's the just Russians. like, <laughs> like if I expected any group from the hobby to submit their address and vote for something like I figured war gamers would do that. Not that I'm saying you, it's not a war game, but I don't know. I figured old grognards would, and I just don't think U-Boot appeals to the same audience. I mean, yeah. get some flack for this one, but who cares? I kind of want to play it. I don't want to buy it, but I kind of want to play it just yeah, to see I'm what sure the it's type a good is, game. So. I mean, when it came out, I had heard great things about it. It looks cool, but on a whole lot of things. Best, best war game of 2019. Uh, I don't... See, I, I followed... There, did they? I guess it didn't get best war game. It got best World War Two war game, and then best and a whole bunch of other topics, rules, graphics. I think it won like game that. of the year though, didn't it? Oh, it did. Okay, there it is. I wonder what I said last year was war game of the year. Let's find out real quick. I'll edit some noise, some of this quietness out. Let's see. Episode twelve, maybe. Yeah, I have no way of checking. <laughs> probably should have made a list it's, of that. It's lost to history. We'll never know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Was it? It may have been Songbird Forty Two. Um, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, I'm looking at the list because I haven't played Red. Oh. Oh, God, I haven't played Red yeah. Storm yet. I was cleaning up um, where all the games are at ahead of Thanksgiving, and I uh, my cards that I ordered for Red Storm. I was like, God, I've got to play this game. So good. It is good. Well, I think if, I'm going to get downtown on the board though, on the table pretty soon though, because nice, 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 nice. Yeah, that's weasels. what that's what we should do in Columbia when things go back to normal. That should be our first 
I know we talked about like this, the, like the border war thing or something like that, mm-hmm. but uh, like if we just get a chance to get a small group of us together, I would definitely like to play some Red Storm or really anything from that series other than the World War One. Bloody game. April. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could pass on Bloody yeah. April. Yeah, I haven't played, I've got, uh, I've got the Middle Eastern one, but I haven't played that one at all. I've played Red Storm and Downtown. Cool, 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 cool. Anything else you need to report on? I don't think so. You got any plans for Christmas? Uh, I don't know. Um, there's just, like, with how everything is, I'm just reluctant to, we had talked about having just my mom over, but uh, we'll just see how it is. Plus, yeah. I got really discouraged with, uh, so my symptoms, like, on Thanksgiving Day, other than lack of taste and smell, were almost identical to what I felt when I tested positive for COVID. Hmm. And so I was so pissed off because I am more careful than anyone we associate with. And the only people we're associating with right now are the people we work with. And so I was like, gosh, I've we've stopped going to the grocery store. Like, I was like, well, we shut down and we're doing grocery delivery when mm. like there were 10 cases in Kansas City. Why are we going to the grocery store now? Yeah. So we switched either pickup or deliver. Like we're still getting groceries, obviously, but we'll just do the the pickup because it's two dollars and they load it up in your car and then I leave. I was like, "Shit, I ran to the grocery store twice." Like, are you telling me that's how I? But fortunately, tested negative again. Hmm. But that was just discouraging. It's like, oh geez, what should we really do uh, for Christmas? Plus, like um, a few members of my wife's family got it, and uh, they're all doing better now. But one of them was not doing so great but i think everyone's doing good knock on wood and it's just kind of discouraging us from really playing anything what about you so we're actually going to it's pretty funny it's in lake of the ozarks we're going down and uh the four of us that live here in this house together we're all going to rent a cabin in the ozarks together for 10 days or so and we're just we're going to take a bunch of games down there we're just going to get away from everything and um social we're still still staying away from everyone because it's going to be the four of us but yeah that's what we're doing yeah i would be um like i would do that and we did it over the summer and it was uh it was a nice i think that's a good plan and a a sensible one that'll be a nice christmas i've always wanted to go down to the lake Uh, you know i go plenty in the summer i've been plenty in the summer but i've never gone down during the winter and i bet it's uh nice and relaxing yeah, we're all really looking forward to it. I've got a lot of ba- vacation to burn right now, so I'm going to use it up. In fact, like between now and the end of the year, I think I think I'm working like eight days or something like that. <laughs> oh wow, good! It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, good. All right. Uh, anything else? No. Good. That's. I was going to talk about. I'll save this for the other podcast whenever that happens but i've been my wife got me a record player and there's this whole shit show oh, yeah, of how yeah. it was revealed um basically our bank alerted us of fraud alert and she didn't buy it from just like amazon or anything but they texted me because she didn't want to run out to her car so she ran upstairs to like where i put my wallet each night and grabbed my debit card and then i got a text and it was from the manufacturer of the the turntable and like I tried to play it off, I was like, "Hey, um, I know you just said you were buying something for me for Christmas. I haven't looked at this text, but I got a fraud alert, and you just need to confirm that you bought something." But then 
which she bought for like a second and then she kept pushing it she's like did you read that text did you read that text i was like fine if you keep pushing it yes i read the text i know you bought me a, my, a record player anyways long story tried to shorten it up i have a record player now and i've just uh it's been really cool I've yeah, not i yeah like your old guy. school album covers that you're posting yeah yeah i've uh the one with the you posted one today with a bear on it right yeah that's my morning jacket which jason <laughs> from uh advance after combat turned me on to i i had never listened to i think i'd heard the band name but i'd never listened to my morning jacket and i think the the album he recommended was like maybe had like a bunch of flames on it or something so like i'm like all right um let's see what this is and i was thinking like maybe heavy metal or something like that no 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 my morning jacket is like chill laid back music and it's really really good yeah Yeah, yeah. you, you wouldn't expect that from that cover no, not at all. Uh, so it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I've I've just been doing as as it comes in. I've been posting pictures of it all. There's been some interesting stuff. Spice Spice Girls Best of album, not as bad as you think it would be. <laughs> yeah, we have it. It is the best of. So that's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my joke, although true for me, was Spice Girls deep tracks aren't as bad as I thought they would be. But like, I don't think anything on a best of album counts as a deep track. Uh, but like for me, other than wanna be and maybe one other song, I couldn't name a Spice Girls song. So, uh, yeah, that's been a fun little. Like I've always wanted record player, but we're like, oh yeah, well we have more space and all this stuff. Uh, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, we bought one for my mom for Christmas a few years ago, just because she had so many records still in her closet and everything, and hadn't played them in years. And we're like, hey, we're gonna buy your record player. So nice. I have a few. I have all my grandma's 72s. Is that right? What they're called? 78s, 72, something like that. See, I'm not a uh, vinyl guy. Now, this cannot play those, uh, but she took meticulous notes on those. And so that's like, I have kept her binders of 78s. And um, just to, to have. And, but I also have five or six of when they moved out of their house. I took like her record cabinet, which we as kids for like 30 years uses in, well, I'm only 30 years, 25 years as a Nintendo <laughs> NES yeah. stand. And it's like now I'm finally using it as a record stand and that's cool. And I have five or six of her records that I took when they, they sold their house and stuff like that in addition to her 78s. And so I'm, I'm going to get those clean because they're pretty dirty. They had the old like inserts that crumbled, but she's got a, a bunch of, Tchaikovsky, they say that right? Like the guy who did the Nutcracker and then mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff. Is so. there some special way to clean those or is it just like... No, I think like there's just a... Soft rag or whatever. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not... There may be a special way. I'm not going to go nuts. <laughs> so it's been cool. I, I enjoy it. And like, I, it's something that my wife and I both said we've enjoyed more than we thought we would. Like, it's just listening to music, right? But when you have a vinyl, when you have a record... Like you're listening to the whole album, which mm-hmm. I'm a millennial. That's not something I have right. ever really done. Like by the time I was buying music, you got to think like Napster was a thing. My first CD I got was given to me by my aunt. It was Hootie and the Blowfish, which is a great fucking CD. But by the time I really got into music, it was like Napster and making mix CDs and burning them. And then like iTunes came around and Spotify and Pandora 
So there's never been this really time in my life where I sit down with a whole record, whole album, whole CD and listen to it. So like for us, like, okay, if we're going to buy an album, we better like the whole damn thing. Spice Girls was part of this crazy sale. Normally when we're about Spice Girls, right? But I don't know. It's been interesting. Yeah. Nowadays with Spotify, it's all about, you know, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll find a new artist because Spotify is good at pointing out new people and I may listen to an album just to, you know, get a an idea of what they're all about. But mostly it's song here, song there, make your own playlists. Right. Yeah. I've got dozens of Spotify playlists that I love and enjoy, but um, it'll be, I'm not, I'm not putting full albums on those lists. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah. Napster. Man, I'd forgotten all about Napster. Now I'm thinking of my zip drive and going to the school library where they had a connection. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Cool. Uh, well, we'll leave it on. We'll leave it on the vinyl note. Um, and we'll be back in December or sh- sometime around the end of the year, beginning of the new year, to talk about our uh, end of the year wrap up, where we talk about all the things we enjoyed from all the war game topics that I I did last year. And then just books, movies, TV shows, basically whatever Rich and I want to talk about for things we enjoyed in 2020, uh, which I think is a good way to end 2020 because 2020 for a lot of people was a real shitty year. So we should probably celebrate those things that uh, made us feel good over the last year. Sounds like a plan. Good. All right. Uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hopefully it's much better than mine. I'm not trying to be a sad sack, but I just... uh, had a terrible stomach bug and so i did eat turkey and all the good things so that's good i hope everyone has uh happy holidays merry christmas and we'll probably talk to you after christmas yeah good night merry christmas oh uh at history table pod on twitter trapeer jr on twitter